Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkan, and Dennis Dick. Well, Joel is here, but he's having a hard time connecting to uh, Dennis and I right now. So he's here. Let me see if I think it's coming and going. But uh, I don't know if we'll be able to see Joel today. We'll we'll, we'll definitely be able to hear Joel today. Uh, What's on our radar? Uh, Late Friday, there were some S&P rebalances announced. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about Bitcoin. I want to talk Eli Lilly. I want to talk the airlines. We'll take questions from our chat. Our uh, two guests today, first up is Tim Quast. He is on our show every Monday uh, from Market Structure Edge. And then at 9, I'll be joined by Chris Temple editor and publisher of The National Investor. That'll be at 9 o'clock. Uh, don't forget to hit that like button. Today's show is also sponsored by Market Structure Edge. It is the first decision support platform for traders built on Market Structure. To learn more, go to marketstructureedge.com. The link is up on the screen there. Uh, Joel, I said we can't see you, but we can hear you, which is all that really matters. I'm going to bring up your charts here. How are we doing this morning? Uh, can you hear me loud and clear? We hear you. Okay. Uh, not bad. Of a, not much of a volatile range overnight. A range in and of itself. A uh, bit up and down. Uh, been as high as forty-seven seventy-five. Uh, that's above Friday's high, but it's not the all-time high. That all-time high for this contract is thirty-nine forty-nine. Pre-market low twenty-four and a quarter. Nothing really down there to lean on. Uh, crude, uh, finding some resistance here. We talked about this last night. The, the a trio of highs at sixty-six and a quarter. Now you got that to sixty-six forty, uh, but now you're under sixty-six bucks and down a dime at sixty-five fifty-one. So there's a good level potential triple top here in the crude oil market. Gold up eight forty. Uh, that's at seventeen twenty-eight twenty. Trying to get back up to that seventeen fifty-eight resistance area. Silver, that's up almost a quarter at uh, 26.15. And uh, Bitcoin, the buyers were out over the weekend, pushing it over 60,000, over 61,000. But a reversal. We are now down $1,500 at $55,550. Blow off top. What'd you say? Blow off. Oh, you can't hear me. Blow off top. I heard you. I don't know if it's a blow off top or just a little, little correction. I mean, little overbought over the weekend, some profit taking. I mean, how can you call it a top yet? Maybe if it takes out, it already traded below yesterday's. Well, that's low, a key reversal. It is okay. Key well, reversal. Should we explain that? Explain sure, go ahead. what a go key ahead. reversal is. Go ahead. Makes Why a new high on the day and then makes a new low on the day from the previous day's range. Did I get it right? You got Nothing it. Nothing with technician technicals. So I'm looking at a key reversal. It's usually a bearish signal when you get them st- makes a new high because everybody's like, "Yeah, this is it. Bye, 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 bye." And then it, you get some waves of selling, and then it makes a new low, and then all those people are spooked. That's kind of the psychology behind a key reversal. But you know, keep an eye. I mean, I'm still long Bitcoin, so I don't think the story is going away. If this NFT stuff continues to go as it does. 
What's Ethereum look like? I mean, because most of Spencer, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know crypto that well from a fundamental yeah. perspective. Okay. Talk fundamentals, but isn't most of this NFT stuff done through Ethereum? Yep, that's the network that that it runs on. Yeah. So, what's Ethereum look like? Well, I mean, what's to say? What What's Bitcoin do for us? Ethereum's giving us NFTs now, so that's pretty cool. What's Bitcoin doing for us? Well, Bitcoin's got, like, first mover advantage, right? Why uh, do they have, and then this is what I've argued even with Mark Yusko in the past, why do they have first mover advantage when it's not a company? Like, how do they have an advantage? Nothing changes. Well, it's... Bitcoin, it, it, can anything change in the Bitcoin network? Can it change? It's already built in, 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 you know, it's not like a company that's having board meetings and figuring out what to do next. So I would argue there's no such thing as first mover advantage when something can't change. Well, here, first, let me pull up a chart of Ethereum so y'all can see. I was wondering if I should trade in Bitcoin for Ethereum. I, I, a serious question. Uh, yeah, yeah, look. A lot you're, of people. Yeah. You're, you're, you're all about, like, the practicality, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So and now I have a practical use for Ethereum. Not that I'm an NFT fan at all, but I don't think this, you know, is this. I don't think it's just as. I don't think it's going away immediately. It might go away eventually, but I don't think this NFT thing's going away anytime soon. So yeah. now I have a practical use for Ethereum. Um, can you, I guess you could use, but how does it work? I don't totally get it. Like how's Ethereum, why can't you use Bitcoin for NFTs? It's a different network. I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand okay. the, Come on, the intricacies, but it, it, it's a different network. Uh, what we can do is we can get, like Benzinga's got, a, got several people who are. Let's like, bring one of those guys on. Let me reach out to like John G, get him on the show because John okay. G, John G, and I were talking about this uh, over the weekend. Actually, uh, he's he's all about this stuff. So, yeah. So um, let's bring let's bring one of those guys on and answer those questions there because you know I want some exposure to crypto, but I'm just wondering maybe I should trade in half my Bitcoin for Ethereum. You know, I know the prices. You know, but you can say you're chasing Ethereum, but you know, if I'm trading in Bitcoin, I'm selling. You know, and you know, up here as well. So it's not so much of a chase because I am exposed in crypto. It's just moving my crypto exposure, maybe to have both. Yep. So, anyways, that's my that's my question. Is you know, even to the chat, should I have, sell half my Bitcoin and buy Ethereum with it? I, I'd be willing to do that if you guys talk me into it. Give me the reasons. But NFTs, if it's running on Ethereum, I sound like I'd rather own. Ethereum. I mean, Bitcoin has scarcity. I mean, that's you know, and uh, that's it. I mean, I don't just, buy that either. And, and why? Because it's, it's so divisible. I mean, you can say yeah. something is scarce, but when you divide it out to eight decimal places, is it really that scarce? I mean, you can you listen to Pomp all you want on CNBC and all these arguments. Um, you know, he's had it right. He's had it right. Mark Yusko talked us into this. Obviously, he's partners with Pomp on some different ventures there. Um, you know, he's, he's had it right. Why, you know, the only reason I got it long is because I think there's a story there, but I don't buy the first mover advantage. I don't buy that. We're all going to be transacting in Bitcoin. I, I, you know, I, I think we could eventually transact in some type of crypto. It just seems like Bitcoin's kind of inefficient. So I don't know if Ethereum is going to be that. I, I, I don't know. You know, nobody knows anything. We go back to that, but I just want to get off zero, but maybe I want to get off zero Ethereum. People are saying buy Ripple. I don't know anything about Ripple. So well, Ripple, I don't know about because the, the, there's a whole thing with the SEC there about what what is Ripple? Is it is it a currency, or is it is it an asset? The SEC is uh, because because Ripple like for a while had like a branding issue where it the, it had the same the company had the same name as the asset, 
so now now it's called like XRP, but uh, I I I just know the SEC is involved, and uh, that would give me pause. It's not a crypto show; it's an equity show. No. So let's go talk some stocks here. Yes, let's talk about it. Because I don't know anything about crypto. I know a little bit about stocks. Let's go Eli Lilly because this has got some Alzheimer's drug data here, which I initially read the headline, thought it might be good. I guess I devil's in the details here because they've turned around a hammered stock. What's going yeah. on? So so the the drug, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce it, uh, Donanimab. Uh, it was a phase two trial. It met the primary endpoint of the trial, which was to slow down the rate of cognitive and daily function decline. And it, it, it slowed down that rate by 32%, but it did miss several secondary tests is what they're saying, is what the release said. Um, if I could read a little bit more here, uh, da, da, da. there's just more, but that's all you need to know there is it met the primary endpoint, but I guess you could say missed like secondary endpoints. Yeah, they don't like it when you miss um, any endpoints, really. Um, so obviously, that I read the initial headline, and it said it was decent initial headline. But again, devil in the details. Uh, here, uh, here, here we go. Uh, on on secondary goals of the study, while patients on the drug did numerically better on various other cognitive and functional scales than the placebo, the differences weren't statistically significant in some cases. Doesn't sound great. It, it sounds so. mixed. It, it's mixed. It was good and bad. We, again, if anybody can get a drug through for Alzheimer's, we know it's going to be huge. We still haven't got the dis- the final decision on Biogen. We know the, the, the recommendation. Yeah. yeah, we know they had the, whatever it was, um, you know, their panel recommended not to approve, but we never got the official yeah. regulatory decision from the FDA on whether they were going to actually give this approval or not. So, again, I guess we just sit here and, um, you know, wait for that because Biogen has already priced in a I think a lot of it got priced in because we had the initial, remember that crazy move in November? We had the initial pop. It's like, oh, they might actually approve it. And then the board came out and they said, recommended not to approve it. And I had the 100 point pop up. And then two days later, I had the 100 point drop. So yeah. it's kind of priced in to a certain extent, but they're probably not going to get it. So I don't think you're going to see a 100 point drop in Biogen. I'm long Biogen. Um, if it doesn't get approved, I think you'll see a drop. I think you'll see a drop like 20, 30 bucks. So I. But, you know, with Lily here, I mean, we're so far away from any type of an approval or anything like that. We're still just trying. So that's why, you know, you're not going to see the stock hammered here. But down 14, is it a buying opportunity, Joel? Thought. Ah, Lily, man, this is really in no man's land. Did I did I text you to short this? Was that or did I dream that? I remember I thought I saw <laughs> some Lily news the other day. I don't know if I texted and you said something. And I don't know. I Maybe never I got it. It wasn't me. You okay, text was it me. You? I texted somebody. I would just. I don't know I wish I would have got that text. Yeah. Uh. Well, I'm gonna tell you. Your pre-market low was 191, but just right here, just jumping out at me is 200 bucks. So is this? If this saying all those lows at 200, if it gets back to 200, that's gonna be the bogey. I know it doesn't even fill the gap. So I, maybe I give it a zone. You got yesterday's low at zone at uh, yesterday's low at two hundred two twenty eight. That two hundred just looks pesky. So until it can get back above that area, I think you have some serious downward pressure on this stock. It had a crazy move in January, and a, very unusual for Lilly to have a forty point move in January. Then it was just hanging out like, yeah, man, we're gonna get some good news. We're gonna go back up to two twenty. Nope. 
no can do. So I see a lot more downside than upside in this thing. Would not be starting a long position at this area. I'd rather buy it at two if it closes, you know, a couple days over 203 than try and pick it up here at 194. One thing to consider is that a lot of the mega cap pharmaceutical companies have not been performing well as of late. I mean, you can just go to the big three, Merck, while Lily being one of the big three, but Merck has been in kind of in the gutter. Pfizer yep. can't seem to get any legs going at all. Um, and then you can look, you know, even if you want to go into secondaries, I mean, just looking through any mega cap pharmaceutical company, a lot of them haven't performed very well. I mean, IBB is off the high significantly too. So you wonder if Lily has a little catch-up trade here, a little bad news. Could it leak down to 180? Yeah, there's room. You're right. It had a big run up there from the 170 to 200. So you're right. You know, got down to the 165, 170. I think there's lots of buyers, but you're right. You're kind of buying in the middle of nowhere if you're buying this day. And was this run up predicated on something good coming out of this? Uh, out of this, uh, I think the COVID. I think a lot of this was their COVID drug too, was it not, Spencer? There, there was. I remember a few headlines just going from my goldfish memory here, but I can remember seeing in the pro a couple breaking headlines there about their COVID therapies. So I think you've had a couple pops in there with COVID. Yeah, and speaking of that, uh, I'm done. Got my uh, second dose yesterday. So oh, nice, Joel. Two, yeah, two weeks. I'll be. I'll be. Uh, I hope it wasn't the AstraZeneca one. Uh, oh, I'm glad I didn't get that. Everyone no, wants the kidding. Pfizer. I, one. Anyway, I guess I guess there has been a couple issues with the AstraZeneca, but then they were saying there's been like I don't know how many millions of people that actually got the yeah. AstraZeneca, and there's been 30 like cases of blood clots. But, I mean, you know, if you look at that on a percentage scale, they said in the overall general population when that many people are, you know, being, you know, under, you know, or there's going to be, you know, just random cases like that. Yeah. So they're saying that's not statistical at all and it's just random. Yeah, so, of course, anyways, uh, it gets you thinking, though. I know Denmark has stopped the AstraZeneca right now. There's three countries, I think, that have actually stopped using the AstraZeneca one for reasons like that, but... Uh, not to scare you away. I don't even think the AstraZeneca is even. That's not even approved in the U.S. Right, right. The, the, for emergency. I don't know if AstraZeneca. Uh, are they I don't think the AstraZeneca one? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. What are we? What are they using? No, the no, because there was a headline from Friday that they're a they're preparing to file for emergency use in the U.S. Okay. So they're not even approved in the U.S. yet. Okay. So we got Pfizer, the Pfizer, the Moderna, and J and J. And the J&J. Those are the three that are going through. What are we getting in Canada? I don't know if we have any in Canada. <laughs> we, got, we got a few. There's been some people vaccinated, but, man, we are falling behind. Can you get Canada. across the border? Because uh, <laughs> Lisa's office is uh, – Oh, so I could come get vaccinated if I went across the border. That would be good news. But, no, um, unfortunately, I don't think they're still letting anyone across the border. So border's been closed for a year just going across, yeah. only for essential services. And you can fly across the border, though. So you can get away around it that way. You can fly. So maybe I should fly down there, get vaccinated from Lisa, and then I can come back. Okay. All right. Uh, what else we got? S&Ps are we're leaking a little bit. Uh, nothing major. Uh, down by three quarters of a handle at thirty nine thirty two. Old time closing high on Friday. So I don't know. Quad witch week. I don't know. Just kind of. You blame tech. Tech is the reason. Tech, you can blame tech all the time. I know. Look Let's just this. put it in perspective and do a technical on the queues. Bring our technical analyst here because we stopped out two days ago at a key level in the queues. And yes, we've had a nice rip and rally here, but we have had this trade. And I have this written on my paper to talk about, so it's probably a good segue. I'm going to ask you the technical level in the queues here in the second. Level. But we've had this trade 
that has been very pronounced in the last two months where they have been selling tech and they have been buying value. Even before tech started to roll over, value had taken over the wheel. So now you get the massive sell-off in tech and it bounces nicely. Is it time to reallocate some of your tech stocks to value stocks? Is this value trade, which has underperformed for a decade, and I mean seriously underperformed, um, is this value trade finally time to start jumping on board? So what are your thoughts here? And give me the cues level, too. I, I, well, uh, the cues level I'm giving you is uh, you made that all-time high. Uh, back up in the uh, 338.19, you came down just under uh, 300. You know, you go halfway back here, and that was actually the high for the other from the other day at like 317. So, man, it's, even that 320 high, unless you get back above this high, what was that on Thursday, 319.86? I still think the path of least resistance is down here, and it. Wow. it you know, I just don't think it's time. It's just, it's all, I don't want to say it's over, but you know, you've had such a long term trend reverse. Is it going to reverse right back out? I don't think so. I, I, I think there's more downside here in these stocks. They just don't, the rallies, I mean, Apple can't get away from like 120, 121. You have uh, yeah. Amazon flirting with, you know, a couple days staying under 3,000. Yeah. Facebook, I, I just don't think, I think it's here, here to stay. Yeah. I, I don't like the charts on the, t- on the mega kept. I don't, I don't like the charts at all on any of the tech stocks, to be honest. If I think if you're loaded up with tech, I think it's right now is the time to lighten up. Um, I am loaded up with tech in the long term portfolio. But I'm still somewhat comfortable with it, although I wouldn't mind reallocating some. And I, I don't want to chase stocks here, though, too. I mean, you know, you can bring up some. I own Nucor. Look at what this has done. I mean, this just gives you a feeling. But, you know, a better example is like Viacom. Like, you know, you're looking at the what value is, stocks. Yeah. They, they, they hated it. I mean, c- question. Could the Reddit revolution, because let's be honest here. This Reddit revolution wasn't revolved around growth tech stocks. This was revolved around value. I mean, it started with GameStop, and they thought, you know, there's value in here. Deep value investor, Roaring Kitty. I mean, value right in the name. Is this Reddit revolution potentially the turning point to get stocks from growth to value? Is it? I'm asking the question. It already is. Well. It's it, I mean, no, we've seen it, but does it continue? Like, if Reddit is so focused on deep value, and they're obviously focused on everything, they talk everything over there. But if you keep looking, you know, the stocks that they're picking on, you know, are, are beat up companies that, you know, aren't going bankrupt, you know, AMC. Like, look at the whole Reddit list on those short squeeze stocks. Yeah, I got a bet. But I even Rocket, Rocket was a value stock. Rocket was totally a value stock. It was trading with a P of like eight, you know, when it was down there at 21. It's still, I'm lying. I did buy some Rocket. But, um, I don't know. Like, it makes you think. Like, maybe this could make the turning point happen. Like, Viacom, the whole reason it's rallied is it had a PE down when it was $30 of, like, five. So now it's moved up, and I don't know what the PE is, but it's probably, like, 15 or 17 or 20. Maybe it's even 20. You know, it's expanded, but it's still not even at a market multiple. That's how much they hated value. You know, they hated anything. You know, we were all going growth. All these other companies were going out of business. I mean, Ford and GM are a classic example here, too. I'm long on both. Ford and GM, and I'm, I'm long GM in two ways. I've written puts and I'm long the stock. So I'm double long General Motors. Um, I mean, this, you know, compared to Tesla, 
in the last three months has massively outperformed it. Now, this is the first time in years. But are we moving to a new market where they actually do care about value? Does a Reddit, you know, Reddit, I see it all the time. They're talking about value over there. You know, maybe maybe we've changed. Spencer Israel, you're quiet in the background. What are your thoughts here? Or does it just go back to the same thing in six months? Look, I got some Spencer, after you, Spencer, you go, I got some interesting charts to pull up here for you. Yeah, yeah. we ask this question every time, right? Because value has come into favor, uh, what, a half dozen times in the last few years? And, and, yeah, and, yeah. And always for what, like a week or two, and then yeah. always, and then always it goes back again. And we yeah. ask, and we ask this every time. So yeah. so we don't know. It's it's a good, it's, it's a good thought, Dennis. No one no one knows. Um, I just no know one that, knows. I just know that every time value has come into favor for, in the last five years, we've been like, oh, is 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 this it? Is is this the big rotation? And, yeah. it, and it never is the big rotation. It's always just a fake out. So, um, look. I, it could I'm, be the same I'm, thing again. I'm, I'm over. I know I'm overweight growth and underweight value. Everybody um, is. What everybody a, is. Everybody exactly. Everybody what, is. What so, an awesome way! If you really believe in Max Payne, where the market punishes the maximum amount of participants, what an awesome way to do it. Let's switch this over now and pull the wool out from every portfolio that's out there that's loaded up with the Apples and the Amazons. And and those stocks may not get hit as hard because remember those are kind of nowhere. some of those are value. But let's do the Intel versus NVIDIA. Let's do Intel oh, yeah. versus NVIDIA, Joel. I Intel love, I, is it, not going down, man. I love it's Intel. Been holding up. I, yeah. I, I am. I'm in Intel. I'm, I'm in this long term. I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah. 64, I would love to uh, just to take out 64, but yeah. And you remember, I you know, I said tongue in cheek about Intel versus AMD. Look how that spread is reversed since oh, yeah. 100. So, yeah, but uh, uh, did did break out the Barons a little bit this weekend, and uh, this writer is pretty good. I haven't seen him, Alex. I want to give him credit, Alex Yule or Yuli. He came up with the Nostalgia Index, okay? So Viacom is the top winner. Check out what's on this one, Dennis. You what do you got? Talk to me. Barnes & Noble Education. When that Blast when from the past. Look at Barnes & Noble. When did they change themselves to an education company? Uh, when they did the split and everything. So they're thinking. When I miss they- BKS. Yeah. When, uh, when these schools go back, they're thinking this is going to surge. Uh, here's another one that we haven't taught in a while. Fossil. Fossil. They're talking about maybe Fossil making a run. This is old nostalgia stocks. Uh, Gannett. Have you seen Gannett GCI this year? Yeah, it's been going. I was in it a couple times. I bought Gannett just for the simple reason that everything that under a dollar had gone. So, and I, and it had a ridiculous run. I actually made, this was back. I can't remember, but I had a really big run. I bought it. like a buck fifty or something, and then it quickly ran. You know what I bought? It was like somewhere in November there, when everything just started to go, and I was like, okay, well they're grabbing anything that's cheap, and you know, and I think I picked up around a buck fifty, and it was like a week and a half later, it was two fifty, and I sold it. Obviously, you know, I saw everything five sixty seven. You know, later, you know, I obviously I sold too soon again, but there, I, you're right, Joe. A lot of these other Pitney Bowes. Pitney Bowes. Pitney Bowes, another one. There he goes. I'm too young to remember Pitney Bowes machines, but I'm not. I remember them. Wasn't quite a verb. Uh, an old dog here uh, that barks every once in a while, having a good year. Weight Watchers, WW. And then there's another company. Weight Watchers feels like a stay-at-home play, though. Yeah. Uh, and then this one, I, I don't even remember. Dennis, 
Have you ever treated DLX? Yeah, Deluxe, yeah. You know what they do? No, but I've traded lots of times. What do they do? Check company. Make checks. We're going back to checks. Yes. I like that. Yeah. And then the last three on here were uh, was Cinemark. That's fitting in with your... This is your, all from Barron's this weekend? This is all from Barron's. It's called the Nostalgia Index. Yep. So far, investors have gone gravitated to uh, stocks seen long-term as old-fashioned. Well, renal value is old-fashioned. And then uh, also my former company, not that I was an accountant there, H&R Block, which mm-hmm. has been having some pretty good commercials as of late. Well, it's also a tax season. So. Yeah. And then oh, those commercials have been good. And then the last one, they play there, yeah. last one was Mattel. Don't tell me Mattel's dead. Look at that. That's a doubler going Boys. back to July. So, yeah. Do we cool. want to trade in all of our tech stocks? Yes. You know, for, for, for all of these old school, possibly value, potentially Reddit names. Look, look. It, yes. It, yes. Jill says yes. He says yes. We have one definitive yes. We have the chat asking right. about Palantir. Thanks for the tip, Caesar. <laughs> if, right. if we're going with the value theme, though, Palantir is not going to be on that list. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, that's going to be a no for me, dog, and it comes down to no for uh, me, dog. It's just a time, it's just a time horizon thing, right? It's just yeah. a time horizon. Like, like, could I make some money buying all those stocks for the next couple of weeks or month? Probably, yeah. but 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 am I going to like sell? My like the, the investments that I have in, in growth industries, in growth companies, in 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 esports and and biotech for for movie theaters and uh, check companies. It sounds insane. Nothing. It sounds nothing. insane. And I'm not saying to do this. We're just looking. We're at, pointing out. We're history. pointing out potential here. Growth value. I've always liked. I mean, I, I I'm a big fan. We know. Look at my portfolio. It's full of the Googles. It's full, it's full of a lot of stocks that would get hammered if they decided to start hating on tech stocks. But I like growth at a reasonable cost. I don't like growth at any cost. And, you know, and, that, and but the Kathy stocks have bounced back nicely. I mean, Kathy had a really good week. I think if you're long a lot of those stocks, I think you lighten up. That's my opinion. I don't think that the worst is behind us on the growth, uh, the growth stocks with the high P's. I just I, I think there's still more pain ahead for the high PE stocks. But I think some of these other names Joel just mentioned, they could start to show some life. I think there is a trade in here where some of these other, you know, catch up trades. I mean, we saw what Viacom did. It's the poster child for value. That's not a like a one week move. This is a three month move. So it's not something that, you know, you can say, okay, value gets some love for a week. Value's been getting love for three months here now. And it coincides nicely with really all the GameStop stuff. So, and GameStop's not going away either. I mean, it's $274. So when you see GameStop, you know, another thing, when you see GameStop at $274, it tells you anything can happen. Nobody knows anything because there's no logical, rational thought to have GameStop at $274 a share. But it is, and, and it's not going down. It's not really been going, you know, it's not quickly to give it back. Same reason Joel and I liked it a week and a half ago at 130. It just didn't want to go down. It was holding on. It looked like it was winding up again. I mean, the technicals don't look that bad on GameStop. Yes, I had the blow-off top. We can call it, you know, the um, $350, uh, $348. I had the blow-off top with Chris Camilo tweeting right at the very high. So we could call it the Camilo top there. But, I mean, you're back here, 275 Still holding on okay. AMC's making new highs today. Stocks aren't going away. And you know what they all have in common? They're, 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 they're not growth names. 
These aren't stocks that are ripping, you know, the top line sales growth here. They're seen as, hey, so, these are underpriced I mean, companies that might yeah. come back. AMC is like a Barnes and Noble. It's like the kind of stock that, you know, if you think about what this is, this isn't a growth stock. This is a stock that was perceived as many thinking it was going to go bankrupt. And you know what Reddit's saying? It's not. Reddit's saying there's value here. I think the Reddit investors are value traders. So if you think this revolution Reddit continues, value could have some legs. That's my thoughts. Aren't they going to go in public too? Uh, Reddit doing like an IPO too? I mean, uh, th- there, there have been some rumors about that. I don't know. If, They'll uh, spack it up. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> I, I was looking. Uh, I brought up uh, Tiddlywinks. Who makes Tiddlywinks? You know? Remember what? Tiddlywinks? If you want old nostalgic things, remember that game? Or are you probably too young for that? You're dating yourself right. once again on this show. Oh, I, I was wondering what you what was on the screen there. Is that, that's yeah, tiddlywinks. What are those? Let's invest in that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our new world where we go a blast from the past and we like investing in things that were cool 50 years ago. Yeah. Yes. Why not? It's back. If history. Did... Ten, history. What's what's the Ryan Dietrich saying? History doesn't repeat itself, but it sometimes rhymes. It rhymes, yeah. There you go. I, I don't Rob know. Rob said, I don't know yeah, yeah. Rob said at the show last night about. But history. we joke. But there is, you know, I'm somewhat serious here. I this is a, this has been a serious, you know, move to value, and you know what? I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I was trying to talk myself out of selling my NUE, which has had a ridiculous run, and it got back up here near 70 again. I've been in the stock. For years, and every time it gets near 70, it fails and goes back down. It's right there again. I was like, should I sell it this time? I'm like, I don't know, though, because you know what? NUE's got some value. It's got some dividend. It's not trading with a crazy multiple. It's the kind of stock that people like in this environment right now. I don't know. Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway quietly, Warren Buffett, has made new all-time highs here once again, three days ago. I guess he's off, but, you know, he's breaking out. S&Ps didn't make new highs. Oh, actually, they did. Sorry. S&P's the Q's didn't make new highs. Right. So I don't know. We're just – I. if you're all tech, all in, all growth, I think now is the time. We've had a nice rally in all the Cathy stocks. And now is the time to lighten some of those up and not necessarily buying Viacom. It's already had the move. But maybe finding those laggards, maybe finding those kind of stocks, those value names that haven't had the significant run yet. If you have your if your PE multiple on your portfolio is fifty or seventy or a hundred right now, I think it's time to maybe adjust a little bit. That's my thoughts. And uh, we know we got the stimulus checks coming soon. You know, some of that money will be going into the market. We'll see where where it goes into. But there's one thing. I mean, you if you do get into, I mean, you're buying high if you go in with some of these things, some of these issues. But what once? I mean, you, like you, Viacom, you are. Yeah, Viacom, uh, but some of these other ones, you know, not so much. But you could have said that about Amazon the whole way up. Oh, boy, mm-hmm. I can't buy the 1500 I can't buy the 2000 can't buy the 2200 So, Dennis, instead of, like, laboring over this uh, NUE, you know, why don't you just, you know, I, I do see that $70 area that you're talking about. Yeah. But, you know, what, it, maybe put a stop in under 65 and then, okay, so you're giving up five bucks, but then if it breaks out, I mean, it, if it comes back down to 65, then you can maybe look at it as a failed breakout. But if you throw it on there and just forget about it, you know, monthly support in that area, 
Then if it breaks up, you keep keep moving the stop. It's been up there a few times on the monthlies. I see what you're saying and it hasn't busted through, but uh we'll see. I mean, it's not even what is it? It is over 70 today, trading at 7036. Or just keep an eye on a high close in the move, Dennis, and then that will give you a key if uh if someone's trying to wiggle out. 836. Have we uh, cut yep. into Mr. Quas's time? We, we have Tim here. I just want to say Greg Martin's on the same page as me with Kodak. Give me Kodak. That's value. That's nostalgic. Give me Kodak. All right. It is Kodak, Monday. Bitcoin, yeah. healthcare. They do it all. They do everything, baby. They do what's it's hot. Mo- it's Monday, which means it's time for Market Structure Mondays with Tim Quas. Let's do it. Tim, good morning, sir. How are we doing today? Good to see you, Spencer. Well, thank you. Dennis, so Joel, we're talk- good to see you guys. We're talking too. about value. You're talking, you're talking about the microcosm of the market, Kodak. Yeah. Right, yeah. Kodak, oh, every, everything <laughs> in one. Yeah. You could buy the S&P 500 or Kodak. Buy Kodak! Hopefully the same, same exposure, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. are your thoughts here? Let's bring it back. Let's get Tim's thoughts, though, because he's got a lot of value names that he looks at, too. Like We've obviously seen a significant rotation from value or from growth to value. And in the last week, we kind of saw that trade come off a little bit where growth really picked up the slack. Growth probably outperformed value last week. Is this an opportunity to lighten up in some of the growth names? You know, and we can just grab a few of those if you want. And if you want to do the market structure on any of them specifically. But let's go to Palantir, which is, you know, a stock that's very much a growth name. It's a stock that got beat up from 40 to 20 in the last month. But it's come back here. We were down 27. What are your thoughts? And we had a tip here, too, in the chat, so they wanted Palantir. So let's let's PLTR to Tim. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, on the Ides of March, you always want to be careful about uh, 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 trotting something out and saying, this is it, because it could be Julius Caesar, right? You know, the Ides of March for you, you know, 44 BC, that's when uh, Julius Caesar expired, and it was March 15th. Uh, which also is the day when the Romans want to settle debts. You know, by by March fifteenth, you got to have debts settled. So, I think the debts are settled in Palantir. I own Palantir. Remember, we talked about uh, Palantir two weeks ago, Dennis, and how uh, how uh, to me from a market structure perspective. And that's the only. You know, I'm not smart enough to think about things, but in in any other context than that uh, but from a market structure standpoint it looked pretty attractive and for the for you folks who don't know what the term market structure means uh, that's the behavior of money behind price and volume in context of rules and it there's an important lesson about the market and and I don't mean to uh, to criticize the folks who are on TV all the time uh, who try to to uh, turn every day into a, a microcosm you know, so at 2 p.m. Eastern time on CNBC, uh, somebody will say, well, notice how materials are up and tech is down. This is the reopen trade. And, we're, you know, this is about economic growth. No day is a microcosm. It is not how the market works, particularly when 65 percent of assets and I'm coming around to Palantir. We'll take a look at this. But I think this is an important concept heading into options expirations Wednesday through Friday this week. Yeah, uh, that that the market does not give you a microcosm every day, particularly with 65% of assets now in passive vehicles like indexes, quants, 
exchange traded funds. There are 18% of market cap ties to derivatives like options and futures. And those things have timeframes and patterns and context. And so if you bought tech on Thursday and then Friday they went down and you say, oh, I've missed the cycle of one day. One day is not a pattern. One day is not a trend. One day is not a cycle. So let's talk about, I'll, I'll share my screen here and let's, let's answer the question about Palantir. And how would you know? You know, the hardest thing for, for any of us as uh, participants in the market is to know when to do something. There are all kinds of great stocks and lousy stocks. Let me get myself out of the way. Uh, but how would you know when to do something? Uh, so for, for those following along, this is Market Structure Edge, marketstructureedge.com. You can do this. It's free you, uh, for a couple of weeks, no credit card needed. But this is how I think about the market. Here's Palantir in the Benzinga Ides of March, the Ides portfolio. <laughs> uh, so here's, here's how I think about this. Uh, so stocks wax and wane from overbought to oversold. It happens to everything. The reason it happened to tech, in my view, is because tech is such a broad exposure in the marketplace that there were capital gains packed into tech in a way that it will not be in any other part of the market. And it takes weeks for exchange traded funds and indexes to wash these out through what are called redemption baskets. You can put stocks in there and get rid of them and exchange them for ETF shares. And when they bring them back, it'll be at a stepped up tax basis that you and I don't get, but Kathy Wood will and BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street will, and that's what's occurring here. So here's Palantir. All you have to know is the dark line is price, and the lighter colored smoother line is, is sentiment, is waxing and waning supply and demand. Well, it's not been good since back here. The last time, uh, you should have left Palantir back there, right? So at the very end of what's January, right here, I would say, once it starts to tick down, you might miss this little bump, but right here, about the 4th of February, get yeah. out of Palantir. Yeah. Now look where it is. So here's short volume. Short volume was 60% of the trading volume then. Not a good time to be in this stock. Now short volume is half of that. It's 32% and look at sentiment, it's ticking up. Well, you wanna buy the uptick. So I bought it at 25, so I'm up 7%. And, and I may not stay around long, but that is a pattern that tells me that demand is returning to Palantir. And you want to be where the demand is returning, not where it is peaked. And by the way, materials, real estate, industrials, a lot of those things are pretty long in the tooth in terms of high demand. And you, you, right now, believe it or not, the best sector is tech into options expirations Friday. Doesn't mean that uh, you know some Ides of March assassination of Julius Caesar couldn't occur, <clears throat> but I would put I would put money in tech right now. Even though even though we've had this rally because I just look at the cues and I think we went from 300 to 320 and it's like, oh now we just have the I think it's the rally to sell. So I just from a technical perspective because the cues topped out yep. at 320, but you still see you still think fun flows here continue to move into tech it, i do i do and i don't it doesn't mean it won't be linear <clears throat> and it doesn't mean that you're you know the technical signal isn't a good reason to take short-term gains but remember that if you take tech and you sprinkle it across tech uh, communication services uh, consumer discretionary where amazon is and amazon actually is the looks the best of the fangs at present from a market structure standpoint that that's it's 50 percent of market cap how long will it take for indexes and ETFs to reweight into tech 
uh, when it's 50% of market cap, can't happen in three days. It might take two weeks. Uh, and we'll be right into options expirations. They're going to use futures and options to try to, off to substitute. They won't use all stocks. It'll be stocks, and then 10% of it will be options and futures. Well, I don't think that that's done yet. So I could be wrong, but looking at market structure sentiment, that's what I see, and I'll show you what I mean. So, uh, it, it, and you edge users, you can do this anytime. You can look and say, well, look at airlines and cruise ships. They peaked here. They're still pretty good, but short volume's rising and the trend is down. I'm not going to stay in airlines and cruise ships. But if I look at tech, so here's tech. Uh, tech is way below five, but beginning to, to make a move back up. So that tells me that if money is going to reweight in the in the in the equity market, tech has to move back above five, back above the axis of supply and demand. Could I be wrong? Yes, but mathematically, this has almost always been true. And how long will that take? Four or five days, I would say. Yet. So let's go look at you know those airline stocks. We got news on a few of them this morning. American Air is trading up substantially. Delta is trading out, breaking out. Um, AAL, let's just see what the market structure looks like on this. $24.44 got up another buck here this morning in full breakout mode here. But you're, what's, what's your what's your system say? Uh, I, would, I would still say that if you're, if you're fortunate enough to capture that gain, take it. Now, there's no question it has stayed above five. Stocks and markets that are, that are above five have a propensity to rise. The broad market is at 5.6. It has a propensity to rise. If you look at American Airlines over the last 30 trading days, it has never been below five. And so that tells us that it has a propensity to rise. However, I, I will never buy this kind of, of chart. This kind, It's not really a chart. It's a supply and demand. Uh, I don't buy falling sentiment. You want to buy rising sentiment. Look at short volume. It's very low. It's only 30%, but it's well above trend. There are reasons why AAL is up. But I would look at that and find something else. That it, it's just me. It's a, that it doesn't mean that AAL could continue to rise. It's just that that math isn't what I would choose. Uh, Tim, can we move away from this for a second and just you talk, and just talk about Friday? Yeah. Uh, Friday is going to be a really big day for multiple yeah. reasons. It is right. not just options expiration. It's not just a quad witch. Right. It is an S&P rebalancing. Exactly. And they, they announced those names late, late Friday evening, and we can go into the specifics. But before we get into that, uh, can you just talk about how those two things could, in, could mess with, hmm. with the flow of markets on Friday? Right. And I often try to be out of my positions during options expirations because they cause things to behave in unexpected ways, no matter what else we might be looking at, uh, whether it be technicals or, in our case, market structure uh, it's a difficult thing. And, he and here's what occurs. I, I, you know, the, why, do, why do options expirations matter and why should traders pay attention to them? Once again, we go back to this 65% of assets under management in the United States. Uh, the 90% of volume in the equity market is in some fashion or another not rational. It's tied to a, a benchmark, a derivative, uh, changing prices. And because of that, there are course correct. If you're following a course, if you're pegged to a benchmark, it's like a map. At periodically, you're going to have to check the map to see if you're on course. 
And that's what options expirations are and month ends for passive money. It's we do a course correction. If there's been a lot of volatility, you're not going to be tracking the index and you're going to have to true up your tracking. If you don't, if your deviation from the, the benchmark is 2% or more, it will harm your ability to sell your products through financial advisors. You got to be under that level. So you're going to work really hard to try to be trued up into expiration. So you've got uh, index rebalances. So an index will say, now we've made changes to the benchmarks. And then all the money behind that may be weighted variously. You know, if I'm trying to be weighted to the S&P 500, but more skewed toward value, how I true myself up will be different than somebody who is trued up to growth or who trues up to volatility. All these things come into play. And that's why it's such a big deal. And it's not one day. The, the mistake people make is thinking, well, this all happens on Friday. Well, no, it doesn't. There's no way everything, all the chairs can be musically circled and reseated on a day. It will, it will happen into them through VIX expirations on Wednesday. There are index options that expire on Thursday, then quad witching, index and stock options and futures. That's four. That's why it's quad witching. All on Friday, plus index rebalances. Then on Monday, a whole new series begins trading. Tuesday, the banks that help everybody true up, they're going to have to sort out their hedges. All that stuff is messy, lumpy stuff in a market that has no liquidity. And so that's why, why this is a very big deal. Why would you say no liquidity? Because look at this. Look at our screen. So Delta Airlines, huge company, can only trade $6,000 of stock before the price changes. And look at this, 44% of the trading volume is borrowed. That's a pretty good number. Anything below 50 is okay. Look at Royal Caribbean, 55% of the trading volume is borrowed, short, create, manufactured out of thin air. That's because there is very little liquidity. You know, as We've talked about this before. If I have a beer, which I would if I were in Germany because you can drink beer for breakfast. <laughs> the, so, and, I hand, beer here. <laughs> and I hand it to you and you hand it back to me and I hand it back to you. The volume is four, but there's still only one beer. So imagine if everybody is after a beer. Well, there aren't enough to go around. And that's the reality of the stock market. And it's why it's so difficult for big money to move and why it uses options and futures instead. If, if I can't buy this basket of stocks here, I might be able to go to Goldman Sachs and say, hey, give me a futures contract that represents all this stuff. Well, then Goldman Sachs is going to go hedge itself to provide that contract. And then the people on CNBC will interpret this as a reopen trade. And it's got nothing to do with that. It has to do with these market forces that clash into each other. Uh, but we can see all of that. That's what sentiment and short volume show us. They show us the trends and the ebbs and flows and where is money going. And I think it's going to tech. That's what I think. All right. Tim Quast, he joins us every Monday from Market Structure Mondays. He is the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge. The link has been up on the screen there for the last, like, 10 minutes. I also put it in chat. Tim, we'll, we'll talk to you next Monday after this whole thing shakes Tim, out. Tim, Tim, one, one yes. suggestion. You could change your name, your last name, and put an N instead of an S in there. And I would be the majority owner of BMW. Exactly Tim right. Quant. <laughs> Quant. <laughs> we appreciate your insight as right. always. As Thanks always. a lot, Tim. Always fun to see you guys. Thanks, Have a good right. week.
All right, uh, let's just get to some of those names. Uh, I mentioned the S&P announced uh, the rebalances late Friday evening. I think it was at like 7 o'clock. Uh, for purposes of this show, we will only focus on the S&P 500 ads and deletes. We're snobs. Because so, <laughs> we're snobs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so NXPI, NXPI is replacing FLS, no. FlowServe. Uh, no. th- that's one here. Joel, why don't you bring your charts up so we can see. Okay. Um, I will share. Yeah, uh, NXPI. NXPI is replacing FLS FlowServe, uh, Penn National, Generac, and Caesars are all also in, and wow. they are they are replacing SL Green Realty, which is SLG. They're replacing Xerox XRX, and they're replacing uh, Von Vontier VNT. So NXPI, Penn National, Caesars, and Generac are in, FlowServe, SLG, Xerox, VNT out. One thing to remember, and I've traded the rebalances for a lot of years, everyone gets the Tesla on their mind that, oh, yeah, it's going to go up 50% because it got an S&P. Tesla was a very unique situation because it was such a large component. But believe it or not, if you look back at the stats from the last five years, there are instances where stocks get added to the S&P and they actually go down. That is possible because it's about the net selling or net buying. Sometimes they're coming out of an index that they were a bigger part of, and they're coming into an, an index where they're going to be a smaller part of. They can actually be an overall rebalancing effect of a net sell. So you have to just be careful this morning chasing Penn up nine bucks. It's up nine. That's all nice. Yes, it's getting a lot of headlines from CNBC, uh, but it's not going to be the sixth largest component in the S&P. It's probably going to be a very small component in the S&P. Yep. So just be careful chasing these. The initial reaction was NXPI was ripping, and Penn and Caesar were not really rallying much on this until CNBC gave it love an hour later. So just be careful chasing up Penn and Caesars here this morning, thinking they're going to rip up 50%. They're likely not to. It was, you know, you're thinking the Tesla, it's not going to be the same because the net buying effects are not going to be the same. So I'd be careful chasing Penn and Caesars here. Do you know what they're coming? What are they coming out of? Did uh, did you say that, Spencer? The, um, well, they're in the mid cap, so yeah. they're 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 going... probably a larger component. Yeah, by big, oh, yeah, yeah, with the yeah. way they've appreciated in price, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. Yeah, so so the uh, like those four NXPI, Penn, Generac, and Teachers are going from the mid cap four hundred to the S and P five hundred, and the four they're replacing are going down to the mid cap four hundred. Um, just be careful blindly chasing S&P ads. It doesn't always make yeah. money. That's my point. Yep. Great point. Tesla yeah, was a unique animal, and we all knew that everybody had to buy because that was just such, be such a large component. It's not every day that this, that the fifth or sixth largest component gets added, right? Um, yeah. These so. are going to be small components, and there could be some net selling effects here, believe it or not. So I don't – I wouldn't pay up 9 bucks for Tesla. The only thing I'll say, though, to, to sort just of fly, to fly in the face of what you just said, though, Dennis, is uh, I think maybe with regards to Penn at least – um, you underestimate uh, the the delay in news flow uh, in 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 reaction. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people heard about this for the first time over the weekend or yeah. this, or this morning. And that's are, why it's up, right? No, I know that, but I'm saying maybe I I, I mean maybe those people haven't haven't even bought yet. Is what I'm saying, right? Maybe, so, and and that's one thing that I do struggle with. As you know, a prop trader, I'm very quick on the news, yeah. And I think a lot of times I'm like, okay. It's I, over. I, First people in, I'm one of the first out because I underestimate yeah. the the lag time from you know the general population to process that news. 
Yep. So it's a good point you're making. And I probably leave a lot of money on the table by obviously getting out too soon. Like I get up like, okay, this is bullish. I'm going to buy the stock. And then it gets the pop. And I was like, okay, okay, that was the S&P pop. And then, you know, no, well, they talk about it on CNBC all day and everybody buys it all day and it can continue higher. So um, great point you're making there, Spencer. Just keep an eye on where it opens today, I would say. If you're going to trade pen and it opens, let's say, at 139 and it rips up to 142, 143, starts coming back through that opening price, be careful. Uh, but don't just necessarily think that's going up 50% because got at the S&P. That's the point I'm trying to make. Okay. We did have a merger this morning. You want to talk about that? Yes. SJR and RCI, Canadian Telecoms. Shaw Communications is being bought by Rogers Communications for 40 50 a share in that's Canadian dollars. So the U.S. conversion is uh, $32.48 is the U.S. price there. $32.48 is what uh, Rogers is paying for Shaw. comes out to a $26 billion deal in Canadian dollars. And then there were two. Yep. We got Bell and Rogers now. <laughs> we believe in choice in Canada. We believe in customer choice. We give you Bell or we give you Rogers. Which would you like? <laughs> I mean, there is some smaller companies, but it's the truth. I mean, when you're in Canada, everything. And Kojiko was a player, but, you know, they were talking. Did they ever buy? Rogers ever buy Kojiko? They were supposed to. That was rumors. I don't, I don't know if that ever materialized. I but don't know. Anyways, Shaw, huge player. Obviously, Canada. And now all of a sudden, join team with Rogers. I mean, Rogers is everywhere. I've, I have a Rogers phone. I have Rogers cable. I mean, if you're in Canada, you're usually using Telus is there too. We should give Telus some love. But you got Rogers, Bell, and Telus. What's so, the uh, what's the symbol on Shaw? SJR. I mean, there's no. Don't they have antitrust or anything like that in Canada? Oh, we only we have six banks, Joel. <laughs> We don't have customers. We're, we're, we're a socialist country Come here. On, we don't believe in a thousand banks and a Jeez, thousand telecom really? companies. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we protect Ma Bell. So obviously we spun off from the government years ago there, and there's still protected interests here because for years, you know, you've had DirecTV, Dish Network, all of them trying to get into Canada. They won't allow it. They won't allow them into Canada because that would hurt Bell's market share. Wait, we wait, love Bell. wait, Dennis, Bell. Brock, Brock is asking if you've heard of Tech Savvy, which apparently is, yeah. he says is really good. There's a lot of smaller players. So there is some okay. smaller players. Tech Savvy is another one. I've had a friend that's on Tech Savvy. There's okay. a lot of smaller players that do provide, you know, MNSI in the Windsor area. There's smaller players, too. Okay. But the big names that are everywhere, there's just a couple. Like, you think about how many big names provide, you know, there's a lot more choice. And, and that's in all industries. I mean, for thinking about it, you know, we just broke the monopoly on beer. For a decade ago in Canada, you could only buy beer at the beer store. Where do you buy beer? You buy it at the beer store. It's government regulated, government controlled. You cannot go to your corner store and buy beer. They finally broke that about 10 years ago. And now you can actually go in. To some of your corner stores, if they're licensed, you can go in to your grocery store and you can actually buy beer. So it took a lot of years for us to actually break that. But in a lot of cases, you know, Canadians are easy going. We like our hockey games. Give us some beer. It's all good. It's all good. We don't have choice. We have Rogers tell us about, well, it's okay. It's providing my service. And I'm good. We don't believe in price competition. How many uh how many Little maple syrup, how many maple syrup makers do you have? Oh, there's a lot of maple syrup. Oh, oh really? Anybody, <laughs> anybody that can tap a tree? I'm making them. maple syrup in my yard here right now. I got those trees tapped. <laughs> Triple D's maple syrup. Look at that. <laughs> That's a joke, but. <laughs>
All right, S&P is just hanging out on a little bit under unchanged here, just down a couple points. Pretty pretty quiet morning here. Uh, struggling with uh, with the close at eight fifty nine. Spencer, anything else you want to cover? Or do you um, want to well, go on yeah, and De- Dennis Tuesday. We we did have some data this morning out of a couple airliners. Uh, I want to go through that real quickly. Sure. So, Southwest. Uh, they reported uh, passenger demand and operating revenue were in line. With their expectations for February, uh, they continue to see negative impacts. But they, they said load factor uh, for March, they see that being 65 to 70 percent. They expect April's load factor to go up to 70, 70 to 75 percent. So increasing that. Uh, we also had some data out of, I believe it was Delta. Yeah, Delta said uh, the total revenue was at the low for March was at the low end of their prior guidance. They're seeing average daily cash burn of around thirteen million dollars a day. Uh, fifty and- bucks. Just keep an eye on fifty bucks. We are trading above it, but uh, boy, oh boy, out, yeah, huge level here. Huge. Out. And then, can we just look at Ride real fast before I bring I bring Chris Temple on? Uh, Ride sure. is, is interesting here because they there there was a short report. Was that Friday? Yeah, yes. Friday. And it pretty much it, it it opened like at the low right there, right? Hold on. Yeah. Holding up. The stock has been punished. I mean, and we know when they get down near 10, they seem to find a flora. The, the SPACs seem to, even though they're post-SPAC, they still, a lot of them, besides Clover, a lot of them seem to still find a flora, you know, near the $10 level. So as you get down to 12, 13, 14, you seem to find buyers here. Um, yeah. It, it's a nice bounce back here for Ride this morning, bouncing a little bit here. I, I don't know, but it's 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 sold off significant. It kind of feels still like it's in the middle of nowhere, though. Uh, let's see if it. First things first. Uh, let's deal with Friday's high at fifteen fifty four. Looks like you did trade up. You're just kind of creeping up there. So once you get above fifteen fifty four, you got the gap to fill up at seventeen dollars. So let's see if we can take out the high from Friday. All right, let me bring on our next guest here, Chris Temple from The National Investor. And Chris is a value guy, right, Chris? You betcha. How you doing, guys? It's good that we have you on today. We had a whole conversation a half hour ago about uh, is this another, like, fake out when it comes to value rotation or is, is this going to be the real thing? Is, is the Reddit crowd going to actually drive a long-term meaningful rotation away from growth into value? Uh, we'll start with there. Your thoughts? I don't know if it's going to be the Reddit crowd doing it. I've got some doubts about uh, how how knowledgeable these people are on the markets when I look at some of the stuff that they've been doing, okay. Spencer. But look, uh, certainly uh, Jerome Powell is trying to drive the value trade and drive some major rotation within the markets. Uh, so far, so good for him. We had a point several days ago where the NASDAQ was 11 or 12% off of its all-time high, and yet the Dow and the S&P were still near their record highs and and Powell wants more of that. Uh, The question is, does he go too far? Does he let the bond vigilantes have too much rope and we sail above 2% on a 10 year treasury and everything gets hit. But I like the theme of of rotation and the value. Um, It's kind of my forte. So it's a fun time for me. But are you, I mean, how are you thinking about this now? Are you like long-term thinking, okay, like values back or are you still like cautious here i'm i'm getting more optimistic spencer the trouble is again drone 
Powell's tenure as Fed chairman has decided he is going to embark on a certain policy that has some risk in it to try and get some froth out of the markets, he's hopeful that that remains orderly and controlled, like it fairly much has so far. He would love to see the NASDAQ drop 30% and the S&P 5, for example. He would love to see air come out of Bitcoin. He would love to see some comeuppance to the more silly and speculative and idiotic activity of the recent past, all of which he enabled, of course, starting a year ago when we needed the, the Fed to guarantee liquidity and they gave us a water park instead. So you know, hopefully this pays off for him. I have my doubts. But I think one way or the other, even if there's some stutter steps along the way, we are getting back to a place where we're going to have rotation in some more valuable areas. There's going to be a comeback for dividend stocks, for story stocks. And again, the really high PA, the PE, the momentum stuff is going to underperform. So, okay, there we go. You are, you're bullish value bearish growth at least for for the time being but what specific areas though what like what what kind of value stocks we're talking about it's just anything with a pe below like i don't know 15. well that and also stuff that is going to capitalize on the themes that are hopefully still going to be unfolding in washington the two big ones being infrastructure and green energy Mm -hmm. you know since election day 16 different picks on my recommended list since election day have doubled or more. Only one of them has anything to do with gold, which I've been ambivalent to bearish on since last summer, but you're talking green energy, medical devices, biotech. There's so many great stories out there. It's hard to keep track of them all. And I also think that value has got a role, you know, for people who are conservative, I've been in love with CVS and Walgreens for example, uh, among others, Ingalls Markets, my favorite grocer has been doing extraordinarily well. And that's still something that's going to be $100 stock if they only had a valuation similar to Kroger. Well, you said green energy, though. I mean, that's pretty growthy, right? I mean, I, here's the chart of TAN, the TAN ETF, and that, that thing quadrupled from a year ago. Well, so, let let me let me uh, let me clarify then, Spencer. Sure. What I said: there are some areas that did get overdone. Uh, lithium stocks, some of the solar stocks, and so forth. Generally speaking, I'm talking about uranium, which has had a nice okay. move, but is yet to really be embraced. There is not a single raw material I am bullish on more than uranium, because all the stars are aligning worldwide for a resurgence in nuclear energy. Longer term, lithium is still good. Uh, I. I I think you have to be selective on the types of companies uh, for all of their talk about pushing green energy. The Biden administration has now pulled the plug, at least for now, on a major project in Nevada, Thacker Pass. That's a project in the development stage that's owned by Lithium Americas. So that's not been good news recently, but you've got a couple that, that have been good. I mean, you guys may remember that I was pounding a table on Piedmont Lithium when it was six bucks a share or so last summer, recently it was 80. Uh, a lot of that was on the strength of their offtake agreement with Tesla. Uh, the, probably one of the best stories in this space on my list right now is Frontier Lithium, a Canadian company that's already tripled since uh, late last year, but they're gonna, the next step for them when they announce an offtake agreement is they'll move the decimal place to the right. So that's still gonna be a huge winner. So there's a lot of, company value there's still good stories there's still good themes going forward because of the 
increases in technology and our, our everything we're doing, biotech, medical technology. I mean, it, we'd be all day going through the list of them. When you say infrastructure, well, I, I'm, I'm also interested in that, but I haven't actually pulled the trigger on, on anything yet. What's on your radar for infrastructure? Because I'm looking to maybe de-risk a little bit on the growth tech front. You know, infrastructure is going to be just the garden variety stuff, uh, the, the energy technology stocks. There's a couple of ETFs out there. I'll give you a real oddball one. Okay. It's, look, at, look at the ticker symbol MAPS, M-A-P-S. It's on a Toronto exchange, a company called ProStar. They are becoming the Google Earth of the underground. They have a state-of-the-art patented process where anybody that needs to do any kind of work on creating roads, uh, working on uh, real estate projects, industrial projects, whatever, we've all seen sometimes in our very own yard, the linemen come, the utility guys come, they put the spray paint lines on the ground, they put little flags in so we know where the power pole cable is, we know where the gas lines are and stuff like that. Nobody has automated this for years. People are still doing it the old fashioned way. Constantly, there are accidents of these things getting hit. And this company just came out public not long ago. And they have got, again, the Google Earth of the underground. So this is kind of a cool story that uh, I recommended recently. But, you know, all the usual suspects, anybody that makes cement, uh, copper, cables, uh, all different kinds of things to repair and build roads, bridges, railroads, uh, all different kind of stuff. Someday, I doubt he'll live to see it. We're going to have high-speed rail in this country. We're going to have more mass transit in this country. It'll be powered by hydrogen like they're starting to do overseas. Uh, you, look at the, you look at the number of uh, hydrogen and electric-powered buses in China. There's something like 400,000 of them. You know how many we got in this country? Pretty much none. So there's all kinds of things coming down the road. And again, there's such a menu of things, Spencer. It's hard to know where to start. Uh, Tetrahedron in the chat. The ticker that Chris gave was uh, MAPS. That was in uh, Toronto, though, in Canada. Uh, on the uh, In the U.S., I think, is the tick, is it, what, what's the company? Is, is it is it DOXA? No, ProStar Holdings. ProStar Holdings. Um, I don't know. They actually, know. I'm sorry. Do they have a ticker in the U.S.? Or maybe they do. You know Let me, they do. Let is it, me D, is, it is it DXAEF? It might be DXAEF. One second. No. No? Pull it up here for you. DXAED. DX, all right, DXAED. So the, They're going the, to list on the, on the QB and then eventually NASDAQ. Okay. Again, this is so a new super, super small, guys. Super illiquid. Just uh, very small, very small company. Uh, as, as, super early stage, as, as Chris just said. Uh, okay. Um, we talked green energy, we talked infrastructure. What other areas are, are you, are you bullish or bearish on here going forward? Or at least like, let's say like in the interim, in the next like six months. You know, in the next six months right now, I've got people in short positions on both emerging markets and the broad NASDAQ, the triple Qs. And I'll okay. tell you why again, and, and this, I, if this works out beautifully, Spencer, you're going to make money on the long side as we have the sector rotation and people get into value stocks, the green energy ones that are not overpriced yet and so forth, and make money shorting the NASDAQ at the same time. Because I don't think the average person fully understands this yet, unless they do a total 180 at their Fed meeting this week, and I am not anticipating that at all. The Fed has basically told you 
that they are going to sit on their hands and watch long-term interest rates continue to rise. As that happens, we will see renewed. What was interrupted a bit in recent days were the rollover in the overpriced stuff, the FANG stocks, the NASDAQ will, will resume in more earnest. We'll see financials actually do better. We'll see some uh, dividend paying stocks do better and we'll see some value stocks do better. And again, the Fed's hoping that this is orderly, it's controlled like it has been thus far, maybe in stutter steps where you don't have a big blowout all at once, no one's running for the hills, credit spreads uh, for corporate bonds still behave themselves. And uh, so I'm, I'm bullish two different things, short what's overpriced and what's gonna get hit where it comes to emerging markets as interest rates and the dollar continue to rise. Uh, and then at the same time, belong to best stories in, in a lot of different areas of value. And this is what makes a market, right? Because our last guest just, just said, he, you know, he, he's bullish. He thinks tech is, is going gonna, is gonna to come back here. And you're saying the exact opposite. And that's what makes a market is no. everyone's on, people on both sides. Um, okay. Chris Temple, editor and publisher of The National Investor. Um, are there any, like, other, before I let you go, any other, like, events that the, you mentioned the Fed? meeting on Wednesday. We, of course, have a quad witch and a S&P rebalancing on Friday. We've talked about that already. Uh, any other events, tradable events on your radar? Well, I, I don't know that you could say it's a one tradable event, but one of the reasons I say what I do, Spencer, about the outlook that I have near term for interest rates continuing to rise, for the dollar continuing to rise, et cetera, is that we have seen the best now of the year-over-year -year comparisons when it comes to the so-called inflation numbers. All right. As we get into the middle of the year, we're going to see inflation numbers that will be well above the Fed's target. The Fed has told us, don't worry about it. It's going to be transitory. It's going to be something that we're not worried about. We're not going to react. And in fact, the Fed has told us umpteen times that they want inflation for a while to run above their 2% target to make up for those several years it ran below that. The question is, now that they've allowed some of the bond vigilantes of old that we talked about when I first got into all this a little over 40 years ago to either come out of exile or to rise from the dead, how much rope are they going to give them? Are they going to sit by and continue to watch as there's a mass rebellion in the treasury market? And not for all bad reasons. I mean, the Fed is not completely uh, disingenuous when they say interest rates are rising because people feel better about things. There's some truth to that. But we also have an uber leveraged system that cannot sim simply cannot mathematically tolerate interest rates much higher than this. So I'd be telling people to keep a close eye on these new mileposts. We're about to break above the recent consolidation in the 10-year note as we rise more. Be watching these inflation numbers when they come out each month because they're going to get higher and the market, I don't think, is going to take it as well as it has so far. One last thing uh, that I just that our chat just pointed out on the value note. Um, does it give you pause at all that maybe you're, you're paying up a little bit, these value stocks that, that have run up in the last month or so? That they, you, what, Spencer? I'm they, sorry. That, that all these value stocks have run up and now you have to pay up if you want to get, if you want to get in on that value trade, you're, you're paying up basically. You're, you're buying well, some some have had nice profit. runs i mean i've got a lot of themes a company anavex life sciences i think you guys were talking about alzheimer's uh they're they're my number one pick in of a company uh they were three dollars a share late last year we just sold some at 25 because they got caught up in all of this fight the 
short seller stuff recently. They've consolidated again between 12 and 14 bucks. And I'm telling people put new money in it because if they do have a breakthrough for Alzheimer's, you're going to move the decimal point on that. Frontier Lithium that I mentioned, yeah, it's tripled and it's going to move the decimal point once people realize what they've got. So you, you've got to pick your spots. There's, sure. there's ones I wouldn't chase. Piedmont that I mentioned, I wouldn't be putting a lot of new money in it because I mean, this thing is a 10 bagger plus since last summer. And if the NASDAQ, as I suggest, gets hit more and Tesla gets hit, Piedmont will correct with it because anything associated with Tesla. And we've seen this recently where all of these different battery metals, ones that have deals or might have deals with Tesla, they all sold off when Tesla did. So you've got to be careful. You've got to time it. But again, when you kick the tires and look at what the fundamentals and assets of these companies are, there's still a lot of them, some that have had good runs already, some that haven't, um, that, that you still need to be buying right now. All right, Chris Temple, editor and publisher of The National Investor. Chris, as always, thanks for the time. Hey, my pleasure. Take care. All right. Thanks to our guests today, both of them, both Chris Temple and Tim Quast. Once again, today's show is sponsored by Market Structure Edge. The link was up on the screen. Uh, I'll put it up there again now, marketstructureedge.com to learn more. Uh, if you're listening to this show via podcast, Please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Okay. I don't know what happened to my voice. My voice just decided to go on me. That's a little strange. Um, But that's going to be a wrap for me. Get Technical with Neil Hamilton is on right now. I'm going to end this stream and you'll go straight over to Neil. I'll see you all um, at 1045 for our news desk update.